This week on the Reflex Blue Show, Ben Luter's Still at Design Camp brings us an interview with user experience designers Fred Beecher and Matthew Doty. Welcome back to the Reflex Blue Show. I am at Design Camp right now. I am your co-host, Ben Luters, but I am acting as the host today in Donovan's absence. He just had a baby, so he's uh, stuck down in Omaha, and I'm enjoying the beauty of Minnesota at Design Camp. I'm joined today by Matthew Doty and Fred Beecher, and uh, these guys are into what they like to call UX design, and so... I want to talk. We want to talk a little bit about this today. I know a lot of our audience are print designers, illustrators, a lot of you guys in school, and and I think this is a really exciting, you know, area of design that I'd like to learn more about. So, just can you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves and kind of how you got into what you're doing today? You want me to start, or you? Yeah, want go ahead. Okay, sure. Uh, so this is Matthew. I um, my uh, original professional aspirations were actually in the theater. Uh, I uh, wanted to be an actor, got my first acting job, realized that I didn't want to be an actor anymore. <laughs> um, Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> high school theater is one thing. Professional theater is a totally different ball of wax. So um, I went to school, studied psychology, uh, wanted to be a therapist, uh, decided I didn't want to treat sick people, uh, that I'd rather help well people be better. So I uh, moved into organizational psychology, got my first job out of college as a, at an HR consultancy, um, and uh, just felt you know, like there was something more for me and uh, came out of the closet and said, hey, I really love technology. I'm also a musician and I do a lot of electronic music. And nice. um, I thought, uh, I thought, man, you know, I wonder if I could get paid for doing technology. So I started programming and coding and doing tech support and writing technical documentation and doing technical training and thought, shoot, wouldn't it be awesome if I could prevent a lot of these problems that I see? Uh, from happening in the first place, and uh, gosh, wouldn't it be awesome if I could kind of unleash my creativity as well? And I found user experience. Uh, it allows me to uh, uh, flex my, uh, you know, be true to my creative roots, but uh, flex my business savvy, my technical skills, and um, and my uh, and my psychology as well. There's a there's a fair amount of cognitive psych that that goes into it. So. I guess I'm really lucky, and I, and, I, and I get paid to do it. So uh, <laughs> that's the best part. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, Fred, tell us a little bit about how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Well, surprisingly, pretty much what you said. Yeah. <laughs> See. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, uh, except without the professional theater experience. Um, but I, I went to school for. I started out going for biomedical engineering. That lasted for six months. And I did the most natural thing possible, and after that, switched to creative writing with a, a focus in poetry. And then I figured out that was in Los Angeles, and I figured out I didn't need to be spending all that money mm-hmm. to learn how to write poems. So I transferred up to uh, the University of Minnesota for technical communication, and pretty much that's what my degree is in: is in mm-hmm. uh, uh, talking to people about technology. Um, and it, as That's part of perfect. There's actually a lot of people in, in UX of, of our particular vintage with a, a tech comm background. Um, but I, at one point I had to do a, a research review or rather a literature review. And so I just needed to go through a bunch of stuff and write up what a bunch of other people found. And I just needed to do something that there was a lot of stuff about. And there was something really boring called usability testing of, of documents, mind you, um, that there was a lot of information about. Matthew's laughing over here. So, uh, you know, so I, I went through that. I was going to do that because there was a lot of information. And I discovered, hey, 
you can actually usability test a piece of technology. Huh, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I also am an electronic musician. Um, I did not know that about See, you, Matthew. Everybody keeps telling me I need to meet Fred <laughs> I Beecher. I like and, it. And, um, I'm also a musician and I've done some yeah, electronic but you, stuff. Yeah, but you're, awesome. you're, aren't you like a trained classical pianist? I, I was trained classically, yep. Yeah, so, Very nice. So he, I think he's, he's, probably, he's more of a musician than I am, for sure. I don't know anyway, about that. Um, so I was uh, writing a song. I was programming uh, my Kurzweil K2000. Mm -hmm. And nice. uh, uh, I was changing something about pitch. And on synthesizers, most synthesizers, when you're changing any sort of parameter, the value is always 0 to 127, which is an 8-bit value. It has zero relationship to any sort of pitch. Um, so I, I, thought, I thought about this. I'm like, huh, someone figured out that a musician who understands uh, 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 sound will be using this and instead represented the units in cents, which are actually a unit of frequency which a musician would understand. Um, so it, that was sort of this epiphany of like, screw technical manuals. I'm not going to write technical manuals for the rest of my life. I'm going to uh, design synthesizer user interfaces and make it so that manuals are not necessary. And, you know, I, mm -hmm. I actually did come very close to having the opportunity to, uh, to design synthesizer user, user interfaces, but it, it never... Uh, quite materialized in a way that was quite right for my family, but um, it, it came very, very close. But yeah, so it was it was through that, and I sort of focused on uh, design from then on out, and uh, and usability testing, and used my tech com background and audience analysis, and sort of went from there. The reason I was giggling earlier is because um, I actually had. In my undergrad, I had in my cognitive psych class someone come in and talk to me about human computer interaction, yep. which is which is what I which I I ended up getting a graduate degree in HCI, but um, I was so focused on business psychology that this guy comes into my cognitive psych class and starts to talk about usability and human computer interaction, and I thought it was the most boring crap in the world. <laughs> and four years later, I, I rediscover it, and now now here here, here I am. Hey, you, there you know what? Um, I don't think we've just defined what the U and the X stand for. Yeah. Oh, well, that's UX? what that was the next thing oh, I want to yeah. get to is oh, if sorry. you guys could kind of go into what exactly is this you know UX design kind of get everybody up to speed on what that is. Well, the U stands for user, and the X stands for the X that follows the E in experience. <laughs> user experience. UX just sounds a lot cooler, I think, than, than UE. UE. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So yeah, so I, I don't know, Fred. Is there any more color than that? To what that's UX? Pretty much it. Yeah. User experience. So that's very, very broad. Again, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I consider you, user experience to be uh, an umbrella term, mm -hmm. and I also have sort of a, a love-hate relationship with the term user experience designer, mm -hmm. because it's a. There's a lot of different things that we do, and sort of. So it's hard to sum that up in a title. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but. It's it's better than nothing because mm -hmm. the, the the thing with user experience design is, is what we do is we look at what a business is trying to achieve with some sort of interactive system. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we try and figure out who that business is trying to reach. And then we go out and do a bunch of observational research with those people to understand their behaviors, their goals, their motivations. And then we sort of combine these things um, to make design decisions. Mm -hmm. um, you going to share your crotch comment? I could share my crotch comment. Yeah. Um, this sounds like a great place to do that. <laughs> well, I really like that. Your is crotch always comment. welcome on our, uh, on our as long as you follow that with comment, I'm perfectly happy. Um, 
<laughs> I hope this isn't a, a family podcast. Unfortunately, no. Okay. <laughs> um, we've had we've had too many people on this podcast, like Chip Kid and others. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> so the, one crotch comment coming up. One crotch comment. Yeah. <laughs> James Victoria the, as well. No, if only I could sort of have a diagram of this. But uh, there's this diagram that I, I like to show where you have sort of up here at the top, you've got business people who are trying to make money um, or save money or prevent losing money, mm-hmm. things like that, um, with some sort of interactive system. And over here, you have the users who are going to be interacting with the system that these people have in mind. Mm-hmm. And then um, in order to make those you know, like this dream come true, it needs to be implemented with some sort of technology. So it's all sort of resting on this base of technology. Mm-hmm. And right there in the crotch of that why, yeah. that's where the user experience designer sits. Okay. Because it's our responsibility to understand the business, mm-hmm. to understand the users, and to understand the technological context a, uh, a system needs to exist within. And we need to be able to communicate to all three of those groups. Okay. So um, going back to my love-hate relationship with that term, um, as a user experience designer, I do not design the user experience. The user experience is something that is designed collaboratively by a lot of different people, by uh, visual designers, um, by the, the developers who actually make it, by the database engineers, by uh, the, the business analysts and the, the subject matter experts that we work with, by the, the users that we end up working with, and a little bit by us. We sort of... Uh, wrangle the whole process mm-hmm. and what, what we do uh, more is, is, is probably uh, more closer to, to structural work we make make sure everything sort of flows in a natural way in a way that that people would expect and it's also uh, I would say since the rise of the iPhone um, we've, we have a new responsibility and that's no uh, our old responsibility was to make technology not suck to use right Right. That's but a now, good thing to be about. Yeah, yeah. Now that's not enough because everyone is carrying around good design in their pockets. And so good design has become this, um, this uh, valuable commodity that people want for their products. Um, <clears throat> so now we have to make technology that is no longer not sucking but is actually delightful to use in some way. So, so we have to, to figure out, okay, this is going to work smoothly. How can we make it work in a fun way. Right. So a couple of really good examples would be uh, Flipboard. Flipboard sure. is a newsreader, but the way it allows you to read news is wonderful, and it's just such a joy to interact with. Mm-hmm. Path is a social network. Um, I haven't used that yet. Do you use Path? Uh, I'm, I've, 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 seen cu- I've cut out. I'm done with social networks. I, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I, I'm on LinkedIn. I can't handle it anymore. But the way I mean, it, with them, it's it's still it's another social network, so they're not really doing anything right. terribly new. But, but there are some delightful interactions that mm-hmm. all my interaction designer friends try to keep getting me on path. And, and like, <laughs> I watched the video. I don't need another right. list of friends. Um, and then there's uh, an app called Clear, <laughs> which is a, a to-do list manager, but it's all done with gestures. So all three of these things, they're you know they're not solving a new problem. But they're solving an old problem in a delightful sort Beautiful of way. Beautiful, and yeah, yeah. I, I get it. There was a there was a time just to just to piggyback what what Fred said. There was a time when when usability was the name of the game, and you had a whole bunch of people coming out as being usability gurus. But but to Fred's point, it takes it. We we are in a situation right now where the competitive advantage is not necessarily usable products. 
It is useful products. It is products that are relevant. It is products that are engaging and products that are sat that are satisfying. Um, I have this I have this kind of Chinese throwing star diagram that talks about all the shades of UX that I share. In, I like in these diagrams you have. That oh yeah, like yeah. A throwing star and, yeah. and a crotch. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. <laughs> that doesn't go too well together. The throwing yeah, star yours doesn't have a crotch. And a, and a crotch. Yeah. No, I don't no. have a crotch. Those two diagrams should not be in the same no. presentation. Um, no, user experience. <laughs> user experience is about creating something so much more than something that is just. Use, that is usable that you can use. Yeah. Do people actually want it? Can people find it? Um, is it relevant to them? Are they going to go to it every day? Uh, is it beautiful? Is it enjoyable? Um, and so that's those are the new dimensions that I think are, uh, I think in many ways harder to hit, but um, I'd agree. Yeah, a lot more re rewarding. You know, you've succeeded. Right? You yeah. know, and I would say that. It, you know, one of the things that's happening now is this awareness of design is is becoming it's becoming larger in scope. So what's happening is with with user experience, user experience typically or user experience design typically implies a person working with some piece of technology. Um, but there, that that general idea of, of the business goals and the understanding of the user is now sort of expanding beyond that and going into things called uh, service design or even customer experience. And so customer experience would be looking at the experience that uh, a customer has with a company through a scenario and, and, and understanding um, sort of each touch point that a company has with its uh, with its customers. And, and this can be everything from the architecture of the lobby to the branding on uh, you know a printed poster. It can be all these different things. And um, if, if someone is focused on a customer experience design project, that's a huge thing. You're looking at absolutely everything and collaborating with a huge array of people. You'd be collaborating with architects, with uh, uh, interior designers, with print designers, which normally uh, user experience designers don't really interact with print designers very much. I see. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about what this all means to traditional graphic designers. Welcome back to the Reflex Blue Show. I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, our audience in relation to this UX design. So, you guys aren't traditional, you know, print media designers. You, you know, not traditional fine arts. Besides, you had your acting background. Yeah. So that, you know, musical but, theater. But I mean, poetry. You're probably and, and poetry, poetry. That's true. Don't forget Fred's poetry. So you guys are creative. There's no doubt. You oh, yeah. know. But I think in like the context of like design camp um, mm -hmm. or some of the you know typical graphic designers yeah. going through a graphic design program, they're probably they're probably listening to you guys and hearing you know all you talk about the this technical stuff and they're like. How could I do that? How would you know? How would a traditional graphic designer become a UX designer? Do you have any ideas on that? Uh, yeah, attend my workshop uh, here in, in <laughs> about an hour <laughs> at Design Camp. Uh, the, the workshop is called "Becoming a Unicorn," and it's all about uh, helping graphic designers take the current skills that they have uh, mm -hmm. and leverage those. Uh, into uh, a UX design career um, <clears throat> because there's a, uh, there's a significant amount of overlap 
um, like a, a lot of the graphic design principles of things like layout, um, color, and typography are things that user experience designer, designers deal with every day, um, but at a much lower level or a much more basic level, I would say. Um, because uh, I'm, I call myself chromatically challenged. I'm really good with black, white, and shades of gray, and maybe a little blue or red here and there. Um, but really, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much not allowed to have color in my wardrobe because that would look silly. Colorblind um, then? Or? No, not colorblind. Not um, just color, color dumb. Color dumb. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Some interesting comments from the peanut gallery. Yeah, we're getting some feedback <laughs> from uh, our viewers. Uh, um, uh, uh, but yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a big thing. So graphic designers have that stuff nailed. Um, and then uh, user experience design is often about communication. Mm -hmm. And that's also something that graphic design is about. Uh, and we need to understand. Uh, and problem solving. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and we both need to understand uh, human perception, like how it actually works, mm -hmm. um, uh, and 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 problem solving uh, and, and things like that. So there, there's and also experimentation. Mm. Um, the way that user experience design used to be practiced is people would just sort of create a deck of wireframes and document them as you go. But now that has people have sort of seen the error of that particular way, and now there's mm -hmm. lots and lots of sketching. Uh, and iterative design happening before anything gets documented and, and, and built. Um, so that that's, seems to uh, be something that's in common with the graphic design process. Um, but where I think that there is are some gaps are, well, first off, the technology aspect. Um, I think in order to be a competent user experience designer, you need to understand code. You don't need to be able to be a developer. Um, <clears throat> the thing I say is that you need to be able to swim, but you don't have to be Michael Phelps. <laughs> <laughs> that really relates to me. I got it. I doggy paddle, but okay. Yeah, see, you, that would be perfectly fine. Um, you actually you just have to not die. Or, uh, and I eat like Michael Phelps, so <laughs> I don't know if those two really go together. But. Um, so, because essentially, you know, that's that's essentially what Simon was saying in the keynote this morning is that we have to understand our medium. I would say that he probably takes it farther than I, I would say a user experience designer really needs to take it because if you've ever dealt with browser issues and uh, and responsive design those things are really 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 hard mm -hmm. and people who are really good at development can handle that stuff well um, if you're not really good at development it takes a lot of time and effort to get good enough to deal with all of that information mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, another thing that I think uh, uh, that a graphic designer would need um, would be simply w experience working in interactive rather than print because print or designing for print and designing for interactive are, is a completely different ball game. Oh, sure. uh, at the nerdery, we've we've actually had a lot of success um, hiring uh, visual designers who have been working in interactive and um, and uh, working with them to become full-on user experience designers. Where we've fallen down is when we've hired people with just print experience and little to no interactive experience and then just sort of jumping into the interactive world at the nerdery everything is interactive um, so it, it's it's it, it be, there's too many different things I think um, this would be a good time to put in a plug for the nerdery and he, and he did just say <laughs> the nerdery a yes, couple times that is the name of the nerdery.com yeah, nerdery.com it's it's an Tell actual it. name it's um, well, it's uh, a, a, a giant building full of nerds. 
How, how big is it? We're about 400 people right now. 400 people? Yes. How have I not heard of a nerdery? That's amazing. <laughs> That's a lot of nerds. That's a lot of nerds. And you said you're all interactive. Yeah, it's all interactive. It's actually started as a full-on uh, development shop working with uh, traditional advertising agencies who didn't have um, a, a solid um, back-end development staff. Um, so they would, they would come up with all the ideas and the nerdery would, would code them. Um, but as time has, has gone on, uh, the nerdery has identified a need for um, a lot of that upfront problem solving and, uh, and, and making sure that uh, the, the technology that we create really is successful for people. So that's why uh, user experience design was added. And now we have, uh, I think it's now like 34 user experience designers. This is phenomenal. I'm definitely going to be looking this up and checking you guys out. That's yeah, that's very a, much a needed. Cool we we actually, my uh, Lifetime actually works with a nerdery for, mm. for development. Oh, and tell me what you do. You work at Lifetime Fitness, is that yeah, right? So absolutely. you just, what do you do? Like, just work out all day? <laughs> I do you not just work test out it, all You're day. testing out? Before I talk about Lifetime, I wanted to add something, some, sure. some stuff to what uh, Fred was saying about, well, your question about um, how graphic design can transition into user experience design. Yeah. Uh, two words come, come to mind. Um, with the designers, with the graphic designers that I've worked with uh, at Lifetime, uh, both print and interactive graphic designers, um, two words come to mind, and that's shared objectives. As I've, as, I've, um, as I've worked with really great graphic designers, I've discovered that they and I have so much in common in terms of what we're actually trying to do. We both want... In terms of interactive graphic designers, we both want really great experiences for, for our audiences. And if we can figure out how to tap into each other's strengths, um, we can work really, really well, well together. Um, also, I don't, think that, um, I don't think that graphic designers should be afraid of technology uh, because the process of graphic design is very transferable to, to mm -hmm. technology. I mean, there's, like, like Fred said, there's some stuff to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some, obviously, you, you have a different canvas, I guess, if you, if you will. In the uh, in the interactive realm, but the process of great design uh, really mimics or um, uh, really is in step with what we do as as UX folks. I mean, it's you need to understand who you're designing for. You need to deeply understand who and empathize with who you're designing for, and then every decision that you make is not just willy nilly. It's actually really well thought out, and oftentimes based on research. So it's so so the skill sets. I mean, I think graphic designers can come to UX if they want to, with a fair amount of confidence, knowing that so much of what they already do hmm. can be easily tra transferable. With Lifetime, actually, Lifetime is my first opportunity to work with, with, with print designers. And Fred and I were actually talking during, during the break that um, he, he talks about his crotch of the Y. I actually, <laughs> I actually add an, ec uh, a, a, an extra leg onto that Y and make it an X and say um, it's important to uh, be aware of, yes, obviously most important user needs, business objectives, technical uh, parameters and constraints and, and opportunities, but as well as creative and marketing di direction. And that's where my experience with, with working with print, print designers, um, uh, Fred talked about an overall customer experience at Lifetime. I have to be aware of what our print campaigns are doing. Um, and at, so, so that when I design the, the experience, we are we are communicating the same message. We're structuring things the, the same way. It's very cohesive, okay. cross-channel, cross-media. Uh, so there's um, thanks for doing that designers yeah. around the world thank you yeah absolutely <laughs> well I mean I, I recognize that um, the the uh, the design industry especially uh, print design and, and graphic design uh, really is a critical element 
to great user experiences. And if, and, and if we're not, as UX folks, taking that lead or, uh, or taking that information and incorporating it into our stuff, then we don't have a complete picture. So anyway, you had asked me about what I do at Lifetime. Yeah, what do you do at Lifetime? I'm actually leading a workshop right now at Design Camp called The User Is Not Like Me. And I hope it's uh, not su- supposed to be right now. No, I'm by the sorry. Way. How what, are we doing on what, time? What, what, what time is it? <laughs> it's uh, a little after two. Oh, okay. is it? Okay, we got to get going Great. pretty soon. But, but at Lifetime, the phrase The User Is Not Like Me doesn't apply more to anybody but me. I actually don't go to the club very often. <laughs> it's a running joke with my team. They're always teasing me. Do you have a free membership? I do, yeah. All right. Lifetime employees get, get free membership. No, but I was brought into Lifetime a couple of years ago um, to help them uh, get their uh, get their interactive game uh, to, together. So um, I was hired by an executive creative director to start a user experience team, and Lifetime has never seen anything like that before. So um, we had a we had a really great opportunity to kind of evangelize user experience throughout the organization, and uh, help people understand what it is that we do, why it's important, and uh, and yeah. So now I have a team that's about six strong, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that's that's what we do. We uh, li- Lifetime is organized uh, in a way that there's a umbrella brand called Lifetime Fitness, mm-hmm. and then there's a bunch of different brands underneath that. There's like, right. like 20, Kyle was telling me that last twenty three brands uh, under underneath it that represent Lifetime Cycle, Life Power Yoga, um, Life Cafe, Life Clinic, all of this stuff that are really like companies inside. So you know, people ask us sometimes, how do you? Uh, doesn't it get boring just supporting one brand? We're like, well, sit down. Let me tell you what we're trying to do, what, what we're trying to do, and the, and the user experience. Try to create a, co- a cohesive user experience around that is definitely a challenge. Mm, I see. Uh, yep. I'd like to end, Fred, with you telling us a little bit more about this apprenticeship idea that you have and um, how we could, you know, be involved in that. Sure. Um, one of the big problems in user experience design right now is that. Everybody wants to hire a user experience designer, which doesn't sound like a problem. Except <laughs> that sounds like a very good thing. That yeah, it, it does sound like a very good thing. But the <clears throat> the problem is is that um, user experience design is actually let me let me back up uh, and also uh, something that's new that's relatively new. It wasn't like this when I got into it. Um, you can now actually get an education in user experience design. There's many, many grad programs out there in interaction design. Another good thing. Yeah, human-computer interaction, things like that. Mm -hmm. The bad thing is that you can get an education in user experience design, but when you graduate, you can't get a job because there's a gap of about three years that um, you know every just regular UX designer job request out there requires requires three three or more years of experience. Yeah. Pretty much. Nobody asks for zero to one years of experience. The, yeah, there are very, yeah. very, very, very few um, junior user experience uh, designer positions that are open ever. Um, and, and for a long time, I railed against that. I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know, people can have you know certain specific traits, and they can be made into good UX designers. But I, I sort of came to this realization that user experience design is both strategic and tactical, and uh, it it, it requires it relies on a lot of specific tactical things like user research and analysis um, and 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 uh, business research and strategy architecture yeah a lot of these a lot it relies on a lot of these things that it, it would be relatively easy to train um, people coming out of school to do um, however the, ultimately the purpose of user experience design is to guide business decision making because. Um, if I'm telling a business that, listen, this idea that you have, uh, 
it's not going to fit into how people think of this particular problem area, you know, whether it's fitness mm -hmm. or uh, electrophysiology or, or whatever. Um, and, and so that's a, that's a big deal. And you don't want people who are coming straight out of school telling you how, how to run your business or, or what is going to be successful or what is not going to be successful. Um, so when people are hiring for user experience design, they're, they're looking for people who can do the tactical and the strategic. But I, I, th I think that that's kind of an oversight. But there's no bridge right now across that experience gap. And so um, one of the things that um, has been in my mind for a couple of years and that I've been sort of tossing back and forth with a few people is this idea of, um, uh, of using apprenticeship as a bridge from education to employment. Uh, because it's really hard for employers to find good user experience designers and it's hard for user experience design graduate students to get a job. So it seems like a natural way to connect those things. Uh, I, I like to think of it as sort of a designer garden. Um, because if you can't find your own UX designers, why don't grow them? You know? mm -hmm. um, I love it. I love it. So uh, the idea with this is that you identify people with the appropriate traits, the, 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 the personal traits uh, that are required for user experience design. Um, uh, people, you identify people with appropriate knowledge uh, but maybe what they lack is simply um, skill or experience. And you, once you identify them, you bring them in, you, uh, you sort of do a full map of where they're at with the multiple different uh, things that you can do in user experience design, remain aware of all the work that's coming in, and sort of proactively match this person with a project here and there mm -hmm. to get them experience doing um, whatever it is they need experience doing. And you track them over time, and, and you know, when, once all the boxes are checked, essentially... Once they've ripened? Yeah, yeah once, once they've ripened, <laughs> the garden then you has ripened. pluck them, slice them up, and put them in your salad. That's right. yeah, that analogy kind of wigs out at a certain point. No. It kind of gets creepy at the end. But. No, the, then you promote them to, uh, to user experience designer, and the, at that point, they'll be capable of uh, sort of the full range of, of UX activities. Um, and uh, so the, the reason that I went to the nerdery uh, about three months ago was because uh, I, I, sort of, I, I uh, sort of pushed that idea across their desk. And at first it was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. But then they came back to me later saying, yeah, you know what? We need to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I've, I've, I've been working there to sort of get the ropes. And now just last week I started working with concentrated effort on actually putting this program together so congratulations um, yeah that thank is really you i'm super exciting. excited <laughs> yeah when we, we were hanging out at the bar last night and i was talking to fred and this was a thing that really got me excited about you know you and having you on the show was this idea of wanting to help along these young ones that you know they, need that experience they don't always have to be young though. right but no. new to the field mm -hmm. i should say and I just think that's really neat because I think that apprenticeship model is a, an awesome model that mm -hmm. I think we've lost. Yeah. A lot of, you know, we, the university system, although it can be very helpful and, you know, is, is what we have today, I think apprenticeship, I'd love to see that popping up more. I was just talking to someone last night who's taking an illustration apprenticeship, mm -hmm. you know, and like she already went to school and everything, but it's just like, man, I love just like learning under like a couple like awesome artists I want to mm -hmm. be like. And, and I think that's a very, very powerful model so 
kudos to you on that. That's well, thank you. fabulous. Well, just just to validate what Fred's doing over at the Nerdery, we um, my team actually set a goal to for for the summer of this year to have a UX internship pro- program to get some interns in. I found out what Fred was doing over at the Nerdery, and I've been talking to him to say, hey, I would love to get some of your apprentices. I'd love to hire some of your apprentices, you know, to Sweet. be part of that program because we have a need. I mean, we are, my team is one of those organizations that needs those guys with UX experience, and uh, they're just not out there. I mean, there are, there are so few of us that do what we do and even fewer who do it well. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with Fred. That is exciting yeah. just to see those connections happening. Oh, yeah. Wow. Matthew. Yes. Fred, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, it's been a delight talking to you guys. Yeah, no problem. This has been really interesting. I I hope this starts some good conversations uh, on the web. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Reflex Blue Show. For more information, visit 36point.com. The Reflex Blue Show was created by Donovan Beery and Nate Voss. 